There is nothing I could do so innocent that she cannot twist it in people's minds to make it seem like I am a horrible person, right? So it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter what I Hi, welcome to VMRA. This is a place where we focus on finding strength through love for God, ourselves, and others in order to heal our minds, bodies, and spirit. Whether you are learning how to set boundaries, finding your own voice, or just need a safe place to feel understood, I hope you join us. So grab a cup of coffee, put your earbuds in, and join us as we learn how to live life better. Welcome to VMRA. This is Angie Schultz, your host today. I have a very good friend of mine and business partner, Marie Manning, with me. So you've talked a lot about your mom. How did your dad play a role in this or not play a role in this? So he was absent a lot. Uh, Not because he chose to be, but because he was a truck driver. Now, as truck driving jobs go, his was pretty pretty decent. He was only gone during the week. He was home on weekends, right? So the weekends generally weren't too horrible, though I think that he just thought that mom was trying to get me to be responsible, not understanding how awful it was to be excluded from all the family stuff. I don't think he really understood but he unfailingly supported her, which is exactly what you're supposed to do when you're married. But I don't think he understood how, just how bad it was during the week when he was gone. I think he really had no understanding. And then after a while, it becomes the norm. You know, especially if you have an abuser who is painting this narrative of the bad kid versus the good kids. So how would you say your relationship with him was? Well, growing up, he was incredibly loving um, and incredibly supportive. I remember one time when I was in high school, he told me that I should be the first female president of the United States. To say what kind of an impact that had on me, keep in mind that it's been like 35 years since he said that, and it still sticks with me. So there's just, it was very positive. Though once I graduated high school, he started saying the things that I had always heard from her mouth. When did that start happening and how did that impact you and did it ever get better? So I was suddenly hearing my mom come out of my dad's mouth. That happened when I, um, I'd gone to college. I was actually thinking about this earlier today. When I graduated, there was a specific Bible college I wanted to go to, and I couldn't afford to go. So I thought, no problem, I'll take a year off, save up my money, and then I'll go to this college of my choice. Well, I had um, been teaching for Child Evangelism Fellowship with my older sister in Wisconsin for a couple of weeks, and when my mom came and picked me up, she said, oh yeah, by the way, while you were gone, your dad and I enrolled you at the local college and I went what they didn't even talk to me about it they just enrolled me at this local college I had no desire to go to without even asking me if I wanted to or 
even laying out the reasons why they just did it. And it was like somebody just knocked the wind right out of me. Just no say, no, no autonomy, no decision making, not even an opportunity to make a case for just working and trying to save up money to go to the college I wanted to. And it was that t when I was at that college that I started hearing my mom's voice come out of my dad's mouth and the things that they were saying. One thing that they said to me, uh, that my mom said to me a lot, and my dad only said once, was that I was going to be a loser and I'd never amount to anything. Um, like a particular aunt that mom didn't get along with. And um, just this idea that I was an awful person. And it was devastating for me. I felt like there was no one in my family anymore who loved me. That everybody just hated me. And that it didn't matter if I was there or not. That, the next three years were really dark for me. Throughout all of the things, and we've had a rough few years in my, in my life, haven't we, Angie? Yes. We had like 15 years where if it could go wrong, it did. You know, everything from getting fraud from two different sides for our house and losing our house. We were part of that AmeriQuest mortgage company fraud, right? And the builder had to, had created fraud as well. And we couldn't even sell the house in a short sale. And difficult pregnancies and just... I know one of those really bad things that happened was your husband, was it he fell off of a ladder? What exactly no. happened? He was taking a tree out in our backyard. Okay. And we lived back to back with a church that had a parking lot. And obviously you want the tree to fall into the parking lot and not on the house, right? So I was at neighbor's house with the kids because he's like, if anything happens, I do not want our children in this house, right? So his brother-in-law comes and knocks on the door of the neighbor and he goes, you need to come, Larry fell. And I went, okay. So I get to the house and he is completely ashen and he's throwing up. So he fell on his back on the pavement. He wasn't up on a ladder, but he was running backwards to try to guide the tree into the parking lot and hit some debris. And his legs went flying up underneath him and he fell hard and he bounced. And his brother-in-law actually caught it, did it like a baseball slide and caught his head before it hit the pavement again. But he had, he fractured a C7 vertebrae that's right at the base of your skull. He had three skull fractures in the shape of a triangle on the occipital bone. And that's the little bone that sticks out in the back of your head. His brain sloshed inside his skull. And how did that change his personality? Oh my word, it was like night and day. It was like one man went down on that pavement and a different man got up. And despite all of that that I faced, there was always this undercurrent with my family that still exists in my sister's. That all the bad things that happened to me are the natural consequence of my bad choices. Things like, oh, well, I never would have married a man like Larry. Really? I didn't either. <laughs> like when he was in the worst of it after his head injury, it was pretty sporting. You know that. You were there. You saw it all. And it's like, do you honestly think that 
I married somebody who wasn't completely diplomatic and totally lovely as a person, right? And then one conk on the head. My dear, all it would take is your husband to get a conk on the head to be the same as my husband. Like, stop, you know? You mentioned that your mom had passed away. Yeah. Did you ever feel like you got closure with that relationship? Not really. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, there were some expressions of love, and she really softened up the last few months. Um, but even at the very end, um, like they planned, everybody planned a family trip for all of the, you know, children and any grandkids that could come, and we couldn't afford to go, and they didn't even, no one even told me that they were actually doing a trip. Like, I would have gone into debt to go on a fa final trip with my mom, but I wasn't even invited. She had talked about... Because they have, ac because of the groundwork that your mom had placed about who you were and your placement in that family, that has spread throughout your entire all of how many siblings do you have? I have five siblings. So my two brothers I'm really close to because they got much the same treatment as I did. But for different reasons with each one of my sisters, I've had to go low to no contact with them just because, yeah. And how have things been since your mom has passed away? And I think you might even have a story about when your mom passed away. Didn't you find out on Facebook? Um, yeah. Okay. So when my mom, we all spent um, a few days together before Christmas. Um, I said to mom, okay, we're going to come home for Christmas this year. And she said, I don't think you should wait till Christmas to come. So we spent some time in mid-December. We had our family Christmas. So many tears. Um, it was overall really pleasant. I felt like every time I touched her, I hurt her, you know, because she was, she had neuropathy, so she was in a lot of pain. And um, so I just didn't want to like touch her um, and hurt her more. She and Larry had a really nice conversation. Um, I was that weird lady that stands in the produce sobbing like for the whole month of December. But when it came down to when she actually passed, I really, really wanted to see her one last time before. Um, because going out there for family Christmas, it was just too much with all of my family there. Right. And I found out the Thursday before she passed away on Facebook that she was dying. All these people knew before I did. And I, I was actually at work and I started getting these notifications on my phone. My phone was like ding, ding, ding because I had been tagged in this post, right? Instead of calling me a couple days before and saying, okay, it's time. You need to get your airline ticket now. I find, find that out. Now, she died on January 4th. Everyone was coming back. And that was a Sunday, I think. If I'm mis not mistaken. Yeah. And everyone was coming back from their holiday plans. So I could not get a flight. I would find a flight. I'd go to pay for it. It'd be gone. I'd find another flight. I'd go to pay for it. It would be gone. I couldn't get any flights that were less than $1,000 um, before, like, they were booked up for a week. It was just awful. So here I am, and I had actually left work. I called my boss. I said, my mom is dying. I'm leaving work. 
I passed my, I was training a team and told them that I was going to be gone for the rest of the day and that they were just, that the uh, trainer leader was going to be taking over. Um, and I said to my husband, I need to just come get me. He came to work and picked me up instead of me driving home. And I said, I just need, let's go someplace, get something to eat, and let's sit and talk about this. And so I'm sitting in this restaurant going, I can't make it home to see my mom before she passes. And it was just devastating. If I'd even had two days notice, the flights wouldn't have sold out as quickly as they did. And it was so hard and so heartbreaking that this was going to be I didn't even get a chance to really say goodbye. You know, I, I first want to say I'm really sorry about your loss, and especially because you have to grieve her in two different ways. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's, that. I think that's the hardest part about losing somebody. Oh, for real. For real. Because I can't just grieve her and move on. I'm having to grieve and simultaneously try to deal with this trauma. Right? You're, gr- you're grieving the mother you did lose and the mother that you didn't have. Yes, at the same time. And so it's just, and I knew that in some ways it was going to be a lot harder on my sisters because their lives with her were were super integrated. They would do their spring shopping together and their fall shopping together. And they would, you know, mom was always watching their kids and always at their houses. So now that she has passed away, what is your relationship like with your siblings? So my brothers and I get along. Now, my younger brother, he never talks to me on the phone. He doesn't talk to anybody on the phone. But his wife and I are pretty close. So we we talk a lot. And my older brother, we talk at least weekly. Um, so I they kind of got a little bit of the same treatment as I did. Um, and we're in some ways very alike in personality. But... Uh, as far as my sisters, I just. Do you have a relationship with them? Minimal at best. I think that probably my younger sister probably wants to have more of a relationship with me. But there have just been too many things that have happened where they're not safe people. They're not people that I can trust Um, There have been times when those were my sisters. When I was at my lowest, most painful times of my life, were thoroughly convinced that the best thing for me would be to kick me when I was down. And it was just awful. I just can't trust them. That makes sense. So you've had to place certain boundaries with each one of them in different ways. Oh, yeah. Um. So what would you hope for, for the future? I would love for God to just bless my endeavors so that I can just stick it to my snotty little sister (laughs) and show them that they aren't better human beings just because mom deemed them better human beings, right? I would love that. Okay, and even if I did and God blessed me with something huge and massive and wonderful, bestseller, 
you know, have to walk into the store and see my name and picture on all these book displays. <laughs> that would be lovely. But even if that was the case, there is an artfulness to one of my one of my sister's particular ways of twisting everything I do to be on with this nasty motivation. I mean, like there is nothing I could do so innocent that she cannot twist it in people's minds to make it seem like I am a horrible person, right? So it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter what I did. That's a lesson that they refuse to learn because their lives and their identity is so wrapped up in, I'm the good kid. That And Marie is the bad kid. Yeah, Marie is the bad kid. That... If they had to accept that as a reality, then there would be a lot. Like, it's, I think it's called cognitive dissonance. Like, I can't yes. accept the truth because the truth would mean A, B, C, and D. And I, my brain cannot deal with that right now. I also heard, have heard the phrase double think. You can think two things at once because you have trouble wrapping your mind around the actual truth. So although you know it's true, you believe something else. Right, right. So, and I know that my mom like went through the same thing with her family too, where she had, you know, sisters that can, you know, people in her life that condemned her. Because she was the black sheep because of her family. Because she was fam the black sheep of her family. Which probably shaped the way that she treated you because maybe... I'm just guessing here, maybe there was something about you that reminded her of herself. I've heard that yeah. a lot, that that's why a person gets deemed the bad kid, is because they actually remind the abuser of themselves. Things that they don't like about themselves, things they were criticized for themselves. And that's possible. You know, that's very possible. I think mom, I think mom was um I think my mom was neurodivergent. I think that she had ADHD, and I think I have it too. And there were times where I would get punished for forgetting when I legitimately forgot something, you know? Um, but also, she had so much misery in her own life, partly because of her own upbringing and the way that she was abandoned by her family, right? That she didn't even have the, she didn't even have good advice. You know, she really didn't. And, you know, she was raised in a time where there was no such thing as gentle parenting. <laughs> Let's be clear. You know, this woman did not remember anything before her seventh birthday. I also remember you sharing a story, too, about how your mother had, you guys would have family night every Sunday night, was it? I think so. And you had a chore that you had to do during family night. Oh, my word. For the better part of a decade, it was my job to wash all the supper dishes, okay? So even though I wasn't the oldest daughter, that was my responsibility. I had to help make dinner, and I had to clear the table, put all the food away, wash all the supper dishes by myself. And so... And this was every single night. So my family would get up from dinner. They would all leave their plates, leave everything on the table. I had to clear all of it on my own. And they would all go into the living room to watch a movie or have family time. And I was stuck cleaning up after everyone by myself alone every 
single night for a decade. And then when I turned 18 and my older sister moved out, my mom, my younger sister, so my mom kind of moved us up to where I was handling the lunch meal now and not the supper meal. And my younger sister hated it. And about only two weeks into the shift, which I had waited a decade for, mom came and said, well, you know, now the supper meal is the biggest meal. And since you're the oldest, you know, I think it's fair for you to continue doing the supper meal. And I said, no. I was 18 and I put my foot down. It was one of the rare times I didn't get in trouble for doing that. But I was like, I did my due diligence. I did 10 years of this. It's someone else's turn to have the supper meal because all this time they got to go have family time and got to go spend time together after supper. And I was stuck in the kitchen usually till bedtime cleaning up after everyone else. And keep in mind, there were six of us children. So this was not a small feat to wash all the pans and all of the dishes for an entire family of eight people. So this was in all of them by hand. We never had a dishwasher, had to wash, dry, put away everything. And if it wasn't done correctly, we'd have to take everything out of the cupboards and start over. It was a lot. It was a lot. I just want to thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for listening until the end of our episode. I hope you join us next week. I love hearing from my listeners, so feel free to email me at vmrahealing at gmail.com. VMRA is spelled V-I-A-M-A-R-E, healing, H-E-A-L-I-N-G. You can also check out our website at healingmindbodyspiritwithangie.com. I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. Please join me next week. God bless.